Hello everyone, welcome back to Spice Up, and as you know, my saying, keep it heated, which is all over that podcast, as you know. Today we are going to be talking about a certain sport, racing, F1 in particular, which may not be as popular to people such as normal teenagers, as they always watch basketball, football, etc. But, you know, F1 is still a global sport, and it's actually one of the most exciting sports out there. Today, I decided to bring on one of my favorite people. Like, I know I say that like every episode, but this is legitimately one of my favorite people. Michael Shen to talk about F1 because personally, I'm not, I don't know much about it, whereas he's like a full on expert about it. But with Corona and everything, you know, many of these important races got canceled. So, you know, I'd like to dig in more. So I'd like to, I'd like to introduce Michael Shen. Michael, thank you for joining me here today. Ha. All right, so Michael, you know, first question: What got you so interested in F one? You know. Mm-hmm. So uh, the way I got introduced to F one was it's pretty funny. So um, you know, I was just like I was scrolling through YouTube, I was procrastinating, and then YouTube recommended me a race highlight video, like from the twenty eighteen season, and then I started watching it. I got just more and more interested because I mean the cars look so unique, right? And like the, the engineering, there's nothing quite like F one in terms of it. Oh yeah, definitely. F1 definitely requires a certain level of mechanics and engineering, you know, to make sure like the cars have can adjust to the right speeds at the right times, adjusting the tires and everything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so I think F1 is probably the only sport in the world um, where the engineering is just as important as the athleticism. Oh yeah, definitely. Because without the engineering, there's no athleticism there. Yeah. So, I mean, I know, for example, me as a as a kid, I was I was a huge fan of the movie Cars, and I was a huge fan of NASCAR as a kid. Like I always loved them watching watching them, you know, race around the track several times. I mean, F one though, I never really heard of it until you were the one that actually introduced me to it. I remember there's like a there's a game on the App Store. I don't know if you it's called like Motorsport Manager or something. I don't I've know if you heard of it. I don't I don't know if yeah I don't know if you've heard of it. It's like it's kind of like an F one game. You, you can, like, manage your own team and, like, have two drivers, and you get to design and customize your own car. Uh, oh. I, I don't know why. Like, I'd always win all the pre-races, but then the actual races, I somehow always managed to be in last place. I, I never understood how. And I also, I, I never realized, like, you had to adjust to the tracks based off the type of tire you have. Like, could you explain that? Because, you know, there's, like, the different grips you have to adjust to. Yeah. So, yeah, tire strategy is... um. It's a big part of what goes on behind the scenes for race strategy during during a race. So, um, in terms of tire compounds, so um, right now I'm watching the Hungarian Grand Prix. So there is a bit of tracks bit wet right now. So they're using what are called intermediate tires. So that's when the track is still a little bit wet, but it's quickly drying up. And then some people have already pitted for slicks. So like those are the normal race tires you see. Um, so out of the slicks, there's soft, medium, and hard. So basically, the softer your tire is, the more grip you have, but also the quicker the tires degrade. Oh, yeah, yeah. That also made a lot more sense at a certain point in time because I, I only use the soft tires. I mean, as much as I get into a lead early on, there's a certain point where I was just in dead last because I didn't realize like the weather conditions play such a role on the actual yeah. racetrack itself. It was also like a more of a simulation game, so I couldn't actually see my cars itself. I mean, it's well, it's free on Android, but it's like four dollars on Apple. So there's like a, that's like another thing there. Oh. And ever since I switched to iPhone, 
check out F1 Fantasy. Oh, that's a that's a legit thing. Yeah, that's a thing. I mean, I don't think that many people are into it, but I don't know. Like the, I see the F1 Insta promo promoting it all the time. No, I mean that's interesting. I'll definitely go check it out after. Yeah. So, um, you know, t- with Corona and everything, a a lot of these races are getting canceled. Like, are there any of these? Like, talk to me about some of the bigger races, some of the most important races. What would you say is like okay. the most important race in all of F one? Most important race. Um, oh, that's, that's or maybe question. not even most important. Like, like you know, some of the races important. which attract viewers like crazy. It's big for every racer that en- enters it. Mm-hmm. Um, out of the all of the big ones, I would have to say it's probably um, the Italian uh, Grand Prix because um, so it's so you know Ferrari, right? Ferrari are based in Italy. Yeah, and yeah. They're They've been in F1 since the very beginning, so that's what ninety years of racing now. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, that, that's. I mean, I actually I've heard of the Italian Grand Prix a lot. It's definitely one of the more exciting races out there. So, as I was saying before, like with Corona, a lot of these races got canceled. Like, are there any races in particular you were like very emotional about, oh, displeased yeah, yeah, with? Yeah. So, um, I I remember I was watching the season opener. So that was July Fourth weekend. Um, it was in Austria. So then, um, what, like, so just a bit of a side tangent. What ended up happening with F one was um, they needed to get as many races in as possible. So they're they're doing what are called double headers. So they had one race in Austria and they had a race the week after, still in Austria. So, but okay. Anyway, getting back to the season opener. So, um, I mean that that was crazy. So there were uh, nine retirements total. I think that's the most out of since I've ever started watching F one. Um, so almost half the field because there's 20 cars total. And um, wow, that, that race was crazy. So towards the end, um, so okay, I, I need to go a bit more into detail. So I, I'm sorry if like I keep up going off on tangent. No, 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 it's, it's um, fine, keep going. All right, so, all right, so towards the end, um, so there's this really dominant team, Mercedes, right? So they're usually the ones who are on the podium, they're taking ones, uh, like one, twos, what are called in Formula One. And towards the end, so one of the Mercedes got a five second time penalty for something they did before. So that meant that there was this underdog, there was this McLaren who had to get under the five second time penalty in order to get on the podium. And they showed the gap between the Mercedes in third place and this McLaren in fourth. And on the last lap, the, it dipped right under 4.8 seconds. So he got on the podium by a margin of 0.2 seconds. I remember that was that was so exciting and so emotional. Oh, that's like, isn't, that's a very close race then. Yeah, yeah. Um, Austria, like Austria 2020. Some people are saying it's um, like one of the best F1 races they've ever watched. Oh, wow. I mean, that's, so how do the races work? Like, is there like a certain schedule in which like they plan it in every there's a lot of countries in which uh, they host races and like how is there like a certain way that system works? Does it go from like least important um, to most important like or is it like randomized the scheduling? I'm honestly I'm not really sure, but I know a lot of it comes down to weather. For instance, like the after race in Canada and the Canadian winter is just like not suited at all for Formula One racing because they don't have ice tires. Yeah. And in Montreal, yeah, in Montreal, I think that's where they race. The track gets completely snowed over. So they have to plan around um, that, but I think they also do a little bit about um, where the tracks are, like close to each other. So I know towards the end of the season, they do a like in North America and South America. So they go from uh, the U.S. down to Mexico and then down to Brazil. Oh, that's crazy. 
That's a lot of traveling. That's a lot, yeah. That's actually a lot of traveling. So, um, what about who is your favorite racer? Because the only racer I know of is Verstappen, and I know he's a beast. The beast. (laughs) The Uh, beast himself. That's his nickname? No, 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 but in my opinion, since he's the only Uh, guy I know. Yeah, uh, Verstappen's definitely one of my favorites. Um, I mean, just considering how young he got into the sport, I think he started, I think he first... I know, he was a very, he was an early racer, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he started basically karting from like two or three years old, so he's crazy. Um, Yeah, Verstappen's definitely up there as one of my favorites. I mean, like the men's skill is just crazy. Um, But in addition to that, I'd I'd say probably uh, Fettel, you know him? Uh, No, I actually don't. Okay, so he's currently racing for Ferrari. um, Oh, okay. Back in 2010. Yeah, back in 2010, he got four world titles in a row. So 2010 all the way to 2013. Yeah. Like, that takes a lot of skill. I mean, so, um, obviously, different countries have different levels of their racers. If I'm not mistaken, isn't Germany, like, one of the more advanced? Yeah, yeah. Germany and Brazil, I would say. Um, historically, they're probably the, they're the countries that produce some of the most skill ra- skilled racers. Like, um, you've heard of Schumacher before, right? Yes, the I have. Champion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just for context for people listening, so... Um, seven world titles is the current world record, and he set it about um, at the beginning of um, like the 2000s. So he had five back-to-back with Ferrari. That's just crazy. Um, and then we also had Senna from Brazil. Senna was a legend. What about what about the U.S.? Do we do we have anything? US. To... Oh, I think it's been a few decades now since there was any American in the sport. Yeah, because yeah, I I know when I look at the Instagram or something, I, I don't see much about America in there. Exactly. That's probably why it's not as popular in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you, for example, it's very popular in like Europe, for example. Yeah, because yeah, that's where most of the um, drivers come from. I think um, in the U.S., it seems like most people who are decently skilled at racing either go to NASCAR or IndyCar, which is. Oh, oh yeah, NASCAR is definitely big here. Yeah. So I mean, what what would you say is more exciting, NASCAR or F one? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Now that you think about it, F one's the terrain's different. Like the type, the whole course itself is different. NASCAR is kind of round and round. Just realize that. Just a flat oval, and you go around it. It's boring. There's no variety to the track. F one, you got to adjust all the time. Yeah, exactly. And um, with F one, there's crazy elevation changes. Um, For in the in for the US Grand Prix, um, going from the main straight up to turn one, it's a 140 meter elevation change. Oh, uh, that, that, that's quite interesting. I mean, sound like a duck. yeah, but it's crazy when you think about it. It's like what you were saying in the beginning, how the engineering is very important. Like a lot of a racer can only have a legitimately like, good race. If he has his, if he has a good crew, like the crew is like one of the more vital parts from what I know. Cause obviously they're the ones fixing your tires. And like, if you don't have a good crew, it's just going to slow you down. Yeah. So there's the crew. So you would say like, as you mentioned, so that's about the pit stops. Yeah, the pit, um, the stops, pit stops. Yeah, yeah, pit stop. Like you have to get, um, you have to get everything as done, done as quickly as possible because every like additional tenth of a second your health is potentially a place lost. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And what would you say about like, does the way you start affect the way you like place? I'm saying in the sense like, there's a certain lineup in which all the cars like you know. 
Yeah. Would you say that has an impact on the racers? It depends more about the track you're on. Because, so I'm currently watching the Hungarian Grand Prix. So in Hungary, the track is really twisty and there's not a lot of straights, which means that there um, isn't a lot of opportunities for overtaking. But say you go to somewhere like Monza, which is um, the Italian Grand Prix, um, the track is basically entirely straights. So it's a ton of slipstreaming and a ton of opportunities to pass. So definitely with the Hungarian Grand Prix, like you're accelerating more, it's you're getting a lower chance of opportunity. It's like if you get that small window, you have to take it then. Yeah, because um, especially with current F1 cars, it's really hard to follow through corners. Oh, that, that I mean, you know, yeah, you're right. I, I, I never realized a lot of those aspects. It's like you were saying, the engineering is very important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, each of the teams like easily spends... I think, yeah, easily spends billions upon billions of pounds just on R&D. Oh, this is, all, oh yeah, it's also European currency. Like, how how much would you say people spend on to their cars? I mean, their race cars. It really varies. Um, so I think, so if you want to go to the low end of the spectrum, the minimum amount is, I think, about 140 million pounds per year. And then wow. you go uh, towards the top with teams like Mercedes and Ferrari, that's mm-hmm. easily half a billion pounds per year. Wow. Yeah, it's it's honestly crazy. And like you think about companies like Discord, um, they're worth about a billion dollars, right? So there are some F1 teams that are worth close to as much as Discord. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, you also need, oh, wait, that also goes with having a good facility and all, because obviously you need a good facility to get all the actual work done. So it's a lot of investing into there as well. I mean, when I used to, when I played like that motorsport game, I always knew, I always re- like, they always told me like I had to upgrade something after every race. Like it came to my facility because otherwise it just degraded me going into the next race on. And, you know, the car development, like you have to, you have to keep adjusting every race. Like if, tell me if I'm right or wrong. It's very important. No, you're right. You're definitely right. Yeah. The car upgrading is probably one of the biggest parts of Formula One. Um, and in the end, it's what can make or break championships. Um, in 2018, Ferrari had a really strong challenge in the first half of the season, but after the summer break, their, their car development just fell off a cliff, and Mercedes just easily went past them to take the title. So, what, like, so F1 racers definitely have to adjust all the time. So, when we're talking about car development in the sense, how long does it usually take to really get all their parts finalized and upgrades? Does it vary? It varies from team to team, dependently depend on depending on how efficiently they work. But the amount of prep time to that that it takes to get next year's car ready is crazy. So I think, um, according to one of the tech directors at Mercedes, um, they started working on their twenty twenty car at the end of twenty eighteen. Wow. Yeah. So it's a lot of planning ahead. Definitely, Uh, there's a ton of work that goes into it. So you have to have testing in you know CAD right you have to do simulations to make sure the parts work together then they have to do um like make and manufacture everything then there's wind tunnel testing and if the parts pass through all of that then they get to the track and you don't even know if they're going to be successful or not so i think the last question i have for you now is obviously with corona how did it affect the way all the car development was working like how how much slower do you think the process has gone down for certain teams now Honestly, it's varied a lot from team to team. Um, for example, I know two of the teams are currently 
based in Italy. Yeah, and I was going to say Italy definitely got hit. Yeah, so Ferrari especially, they were really hit hard by the pandemic, and they had to close their factory for, I think, close to a month. So that really slowed them down in terms of development. Because, like, you know, every day counts towards making your car more efficient. Exactly, yeah. Every day counts. Um, every In F1, everything's about margins, you know. Um, even a gap of a second is considered huge and over the course of a lap. I mean, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of like that with any other sport, but, like, F1, it varies more, obviously. For example, you compare it to, like, football or basketball. Obviously, it's based more on the players themselves, but here you're depending more on the engineering of the car because that correlates more with the racer itself. Right, and that's why I find it so fascinating. I mean, yeah, thank you, Michael, for joining me here today. You know, F1's definitely no more exciting when you make – you made F1 sound a lot more exciting now, and, you know – it was really nice having you today. Thank you. Yeah, awesome talking with you.